0: Welcome back to another episode of Heaven and Healing Podcast. I'm Angela. In this episode, I interview my brother in Christ, Samuel Perez, former gay stripper turned pastor. He shares an incredible testimony of how he came to know Christ, and we talk about the topic of homosexuality in the context of Christianity and scripture. I ask Samuel some of the questions all of us have regarding this topic, and Samuel offers very encouraging advice on how we can change the misconception the LGBTQ community has that God hates them, and instead show them the truth, how the love and salvation of Christ is indeed theirs for the taking. This is one of those subjects many Christians either avoid or lean into a progressive approach on, but Samuel does a really great job at showing us how we can stick to scripture and still show so much compassion for these people that unfortunately still find their identity in their sexuality instead of the Lord. This episode is moving and compelling. We really hope that you enjoy it and that you were able to take this with you up and out into your life. All right. Hi, Samuel. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. Um, would you start by just telling the audience who you are, what you do, where you're from, and how you came to know Christ?
1: Yeah, definitely. So right now I am considered an online Christian influencer, if that's a thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, I make TikToks and YouTube videos and I have a podcast and I'm an online ministry full time. I'm kind of a low-key a pastor or whatever, if you want to say that um uh, but it's been awesome i've been in ministry now for about 4 years and doing that i was born and raised in miami florida um i have a very interesting testimony and i think it's one that a lot of people are interested in because of the extreme amount of the way it's infiltrating like our culture nowadays where it 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 just cannot be avoided as time before in the past, it has been. <laughs> but um, basically, I grew up in Miami, Florida, and I am um, from Cuban immigrant parents. And I always knew that I was like, kind of special at a young age, I had same sex attraction. And so basically, I thought I was gay. And um, how you would classify gay. <laughs> and, uh, and I grew up just knowing that I was very different than all the other little kids. And uh, I liked Barbie dolls, and I didn't like GI Joes. And, um, I was like a romantic, but um, I just didn't have any feelings at all for for girls and for um, for women, you know. And so uh, to me, it was a very, very interesting time and um, in going through school and having friendships and realizing that all the other boys were feeling things or communicating in a way that I was not. And that was the first time I started to realize like there was definitely something different about me. And I was I was really scared to like speak up about it, too, um, with my family members and um, in church, because since I grew up Christian, <clears throat> uh, it was something that just, you know, you didn't talk about that. Like you did not talk about um, if, if you struggled in that type of way, like you would be ostracized in the church or there would be something that would be wrong with you. Um, and so it was just something that uh, I knew in school I could not talk about in church I couldn't talk about. Um, and I was pretty much left alone, mostly a lot. And, and just really asking myself the question, like, what does God think about me? If this is how humans think about me, then what does God think about me? And going to the Bible and seeing seeing the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and um, other stories about lust and uh, sex in general and stuff. It was just very, very confusing. And so when I was about the, in the eighth grade, uh, I started developing a crush for my best friend at the time. And he was the first guy who like ever showed me any type of attention and um, he didn't judge me at all, and I was really thankful for that. And so um, I kind of had like a like a crush on him at the time. I didn't even realize that it was a crush. And um, <laughs> and I had a a friend who was a lesbian at the time as well. And I was experiencing these emotions, telling her about these emotions for my best friend. And um, she told me, "Hey, if you come out to your parents, I'll um, I'll come out to my parents, and we'll do like a pact, and we'll we'll both come out together, and we'll like we'll be brave together to do that." So I was so scared, but I I came out to my mom and my dad um, first. My mom and she basically told me, "Hey, like, if um, and it's like a longer story, but you guys can all watch on YouTube. I have like a whole long YouTube video explaining the details." But she was like, "You basically have two options. Like, you're going to um, either go to heaven and follow God's way." or you can go to hell and, um, and just live your life. And she's like, I love you no matter what, but this is like the reality of what scripture says that if you're, you know, if you engage in those types of things, you walk away from God, um, then you're going to go to hell. And so I didn't want to go to hell and I was like really scared. And, um, (laughs) I was like, as a little boy, I was like, yeah, just help me, you know? And so my mom started sending me to like, um, different, um, uh, conversion camps is what they would call them, but they weren't really like conversion camps. Um, They were, I don't know, it's, it's a long story, but it was like Exodus Ministry International. And so I went to one of their last meetings. They just recently did a whole Netflix documentary about it and I have a podcast on it as well um, of my experiences there. But um, I went through that. And then at some point, since I had just come out of the closet, I was like, you know what, like took me so much work to get here. I don't want to put myself back into the closet. And so I started just being honest with people around me and um, just starting to liberate myself (laughs) or whatever. And um, downloaded Grinder, started hooking up. Um, but really, I was looking for like my prince charming. That's I was like a hopeless romantic, so I was always looking for for dating and to do dating and all that stuff and finding a boyfriend. But it was just heartbreak after heartbreak. It was unfortunate. Like lost my virginity, and um, and the guy left me like the very next day. It was like just so much heartbreak, and so I ended up moving out of Miami from my um this program that I was pursuing in theater because I was studying theater which is stereotypical but <laughs> here we are and um I left school for theater and went to move to New York City when I got to New York City I wanted to become even more in that lifestyle because the church had not really had a place for me at all um in my concerns and my voice and so um I was just like well I can't really find help here and I can't find family here and so I went to New York City and just, dove deep into the queer community and I loved the queer community because they were so much open about drag and about being yourself and being colorful and you know doing all these things was huge fan of Lady Gaga and all that stuff and um, I was a personal trainer at the time and I had a drag queen client who got me connected to doing go-go dancing which is basically just stripping and um, started going to clubs and stripping and making money during the nighttime as well as making money um, uh, during the day as a personal trainer. So I would say it's, it was like Batman. <laughs> I was like, um, like one identity in the morning, and then like another identity at night. <laughs> I would barely get any sleep. It was insane. Yeah. Um, and so just started stripping and having a fun time doing that. But then it was also just like I was dealing and battling with like so much depression, and I had such such a lack of love in my life, a lack of intimacy. Um, like my family really loved me and stuff, but they weren't really like following Jesus, like like super to the T or whatever. And um, and then my friends, like uh, my drag queen friends and the gay community friends, like it, it, they had love to offer to me, but it just wasn't enough. Like I just always felt empty. I always felt empty no matter what, no matter what job I got, no matter what city I moved to, and I didn't understand why I was struggling so much with finding peace and finding happiness. Like I was like why am I not happy? <laughs> and so um, I was just super depressed and I had to get out of New York after eight months of living there. Had incredible experiences, but I was so lonely. And on top of all that, while I was trying to look for my Prince Charming, trying to date, um, all I kept coming up on was just like sex and hookup and hookup culture. And, um, and I tried to play the game per se, which is like play hard to get and do this, do that and date. And I, I dated so many guys and it was always the same situation over and over. And so um, that kind of like broke my heart and um, I decided to get a job on a cruise ship and I moved out of New York City and I went to Australia and started traveling the world on a cruise ship. And that was a lot of fun as well. But I had kind of like a bad team and so I didn't have the best experiences. And that really got me thinking more when I was away from my phone and from technology, from being on the sea for, for long amounts of time. Um, I started thinking more about my depression and and, and all that stuff. And, and then I also started to think how incredibly blessed I am to be an American, <laughs> which a lot of people don't talk about. Like it's insane. I really got to see how other people live in other parts of the world and how blessed I am as an American and the opportunities that we have here. And so I decided to go back to America and uh, to take advantage of those opportunities. And when I got back, I just fell into deep, deep depression since I had been battling it out since like eighth grade um, when my best friend, whom I was, Saying earlier, um, he rejected me. And that was kind of like the beginning of like my root trauma was like rejection. There's a lot of rejection that was involved in my life constantly, and um we didn't end up together, obviously. <laughs> so, um, but when I got back home uh to America, I was super depressed, super sad, and I didn't have a meeting to life. And I had tried pretty much everything, I had so much sex, so many relationships, traveled all around the world, had money, had been poor, you know. Done everything I wanted to do. And I feel I felt like I achieved everything in life that I was like, well, I kind of just want my life to end. Like I'm kind of over this. I'm not really excited about living anymore. And um, and I'm just gonna kill myself um tomorrow. And so struggling really badly with depression and I reached out to God and I just told God, like, hey, if you're real, like I'm about to off myself tomorrow. So if you're like real and 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 you really have a plan for my life or there's something that I'm not like I'm missing, then let me know. And, um, and so I went to sleep and, um, and that night, like the Lord just really worked on my heart and did something in me that was unexplainable. And so I woke up the next morning and all of my depression was completely lifted and it was like a miracle from God. I, I felt like a brand new person and I knew that God had made a move in my life, but I didn't know who God was. Like I had, I, I, I called out to Jesus, but I was like, what if it's a lot? What if it's this? What if it's that? And so that began my journey of discovering God for myself. And I just became hungrier and so hungry for the word of God and debates and, you know, learning other religions. And ultimately what I fell on was that Christianity was the one true religion and that the person who had saved me was Jesus. And so I devoted my life to Jesus and I even told him about the same sex attraction and stuff. And I told him, hey. Um, I want to know what you think about this. I don't want to know what a pastor thinks about this. I don't even want to know what the word thinks about this, even though now I know he is the word. Uh, <laughs> but back then I didn't. And um, I was like, I want you to specifically tell me, just like how you specifically saved me. I want you to tell me what you think I should do. And um, in the process of doing all that research and coming to the Lord, I um, was in the middle of a hookup. Like I was um, hooking up with someone off Grindr or something. And um, and I felt this immediate conviction and I just could not continue with the act. I felt disgusted with myself. And I just felt like I didn't want to be doing this anymore. And so the guy was like, what's wrong? And I was like, it's not you. It's me. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> I really, I just like, I, I need to go. And so I left. And since that day, I made the decision that I would give myself fully, my sexuality, everything to God. And um, that deleted grinder, I stopped watching like porn and um, stopped hooking up and stopped talking to guys. And it's been a journey. It's been a struggle for sure. Not perfect in any ways. Um, But living that out with Jesus has been the joy of my life. And um, he's brought me that peace and that happiness that I so longed for for such a long time Um, and was trying to discover for myself. And I'm really glad that I was able to find it in him because he was the thing that could satisfy me when nothing else could satisfy me. Even to this day, I'm so surprised that I'm doing this still because I would pick things up for like six six months and just like do them for like um, do them greatly and then just kind of leave them behind. And it's been almost five years and the Lord has done so much incredible things with me. He's still doing incredible things. It's like there's no ending to him and he is like my satisfaction fully uh, as I surrendered to him. So that's a little bit of my story.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really incredible. And it's interesting how there are similarities between our testimonies, although they're so different. It's, you know, that constantly seeking, constantly trying to fill that god-shaped hole whether it's for in your case it's travel it's sex it's relationships it's money it's experiences with me it was it was lust obviously in the heterosexual contest but it's lust and it's it's astrology it's crystals it's new ageism. It's all these things that I think are going to satisfy this spiritual, the spiritual hole that I have and nothing ever did. And then the depression, same thing. I was, I was on the brink of killing myself the first time I ever called out to Jesus. Um, so it's just, it just goes to show that we are all depraved in some sense or another. Um, and that depravity, like God's God just sees the depravity. He doesn't single one out more than the other. Um, And I think that kind of comes out a lot when it comes to homosexuality, where for whatever reason, a lot of Christians I notice think of it as like the one most deplorable sin when that's just not true. Um, And there's a lot that you touched on that I wanted to ask you about. So it's clear that when you were younger, it was kind of, it was kind of presented to you with this, this fear mindset, right? Like, well, you're going to go to hell. And by the same token, your mom's also telling you the truth. So it seems that it's the love though, is what convicts you. Am I, am I correct in saying that because we shouldn't be trying to scare people into loving God. We need to show them the love. Do you agree with that?
1: Yes. 100%. Um, I didn't come to Jesus because I um, was scared of him. I didn't even know he existed. You know, like I was like, do you even exist, God? Are you real? You know, um, I didn't care where I would go if I were to die. Um, but I was like, you know what, might as well give it a shot. And it was the fact that he healed me. Um, he brought that love and that peace into my life that convicted me to follow him. And so um, I think my mom's response was a normal person's response of what they see in the Bible and what they read about, especially when they're uneducated. Um or haven't been discipled to um to deal with issues like this, um but it's it's one hundred percent the love. Like I wish someone would have told me, um at that point in my life, hey, like Jesus loves you and um like He's gonna give to you something that nobody will be able to offer to you. And why are you putting your self worth and your value in people and all these things? Like there's so much that I've learned, um, and being with Jesus. But at the end of the day, uh, it's really. I don't think anybody would have been able to tell me that and me to re- effectively receive it because my heart was so hardened. Um, I mean, maybe as a youth, like there was a lot of people that showed me the love of Jesus. Like I went to church my whole life and they were always talking about it and saying how we should surrender, but it was almost like a spiritual blindness of some sort. Um, and so I think if I did even have that individual that was like, Hey, I live this life. I mean, I didn't, personally when i was growing up there was nobody that was talking about homosexuality that was a christian and so anyone that was young at least um everyone that was talking about it was already older and they were like you know they had lived their full out gay lives did everything they wanted to do and then now they had turned to jesus i didn't really relate to that um i wish there had been people like me at the time that i would have been like i relate to this kid like i relate to him and the things that he's talking about and he he seems to make sense of like why this makes sense um but I think that was the one thing that like really brought me to Jesus was was love. And if I had seen that love through actions and other people in my life, I think my life would have been like a lot different because it was really the rejection that brought me to a place of, of giving into my lust and my homosexuality. It was the rejection from my dad, rejection from my friends, rejection from the church that made me feel less of a man. And then now I had to look for other men um, to validate me as a man and so um and there's different reasons like i'm not saying that's the only reason to why people struggle with same-sex attraction um for women it's different for men it's different but it's psychological our attractions are psychological for anyone to say i'm born this way that's not true that's not right everyone knows that whatever you're attracted to is based on your psychology of how you grew up um different things that you experience like there's no doctor in the world to ever say that someone is born with an attraction right off the bat that's insane And so, um, psychologically there were things that happened to me that I was like, this is what I want. Like I didn't have attention from my dad and I didn't have attention from male friends. Um, and then now I'm seeking that out and the devil has perverted those things to like, um, make me want them in a bad way instead of the way that I should actually want them. Cause it's not bad to want attention from, from mentors, from elder, from elder people, you know, from father figures, from, your friendships, um, we need that, especially as the body of Christ, one hundred percent. We need to love. We we need love from other people. Um, well, the problem is that the devil will use that real want and pervert it to something that becomes selfish in its nature, and it's all about me, me, me. And that's how, how it was. It was like, since I was rejected, now I need to fill this rejection and this hole inside of me. It's all about how I feel. It's all about um, what I want. And even straight people, they struggle with this as well. Like the heterosexuals are not exempt from this. That's why I don't think the story's all that different. Homosexual versus heterosexual is very much the same. Attraction is attractions at the end of the day. Lust is lust at the end of the day. And we all have been called to, to do one thing as believers, which is to follow Jesus to lay everything down to crucify our flesh the me 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 parts of ourselves and to say hey no you know i i'm not going to do me 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 i'm going to do what jesus wants me to do jesus wants me to love god with all of my heart mind and soul and spirit and and then to love other people and to value them better than i value myself which is crazy so yeah i think love is at its root <laughs> i think if we were to go out there as believers and really love people. Show people that, that that you love them. You know, like there's so many gay kids out there that have been kicked out of their homes. Um, drag queens and transvestites or people that are just, you know, they need love in their lives and you got to show it to them, whether it's monetary, whether it's, um, you know, uh, through an act of kindness, through giftings, uh, all the love languages, show them that love and that might actually open their heart up to the love of God. And that's what you want to do. Because once they're open, they, they can receive that love of God instead of you just saying, hey, Jesus loves you. And like, you shouldn't date men because that's not what he wants for your life.
0: <laughs> Amen. And there's a similarity there as well. And it actually points to um, how much we need to follow the Bible, because I also grew up without any attention from my dad because I never knew him. So I relate to that really wanting attention from men. And this is something that Jesus really did redeem me from. How I just want constant flirting, constant attention all the time. And again, Jesus redeemed me from that. But it's like you said, this this is how these our sexual orientations can come from how we were raised and based on things that we missed out on. And like I said, that further lends to us needing to follow what the Bible says because perhaps if you and I had both grown up in you know, well rounded nuclear family units, then that wouldn't have been an issue for us. And, you know, it's not to say that's necessarily 100% true, but it would have helped. So, um,
1: yeah, if we look at, like, let's say, for example, families that um, pastors that have um, incredible families, and it wasn't because they put the ministry first or they did this, that, like, they just used the things that they learned in discipleship to raise up their children. In a beautiful way give them that love like something that was bizarre to me i went to a church one time and there was a dad and he was with his daughter and they were in the front row and they were being so affectionate like i was like this is weird <laughs> like i was like he was like kissing her on the cheek she was kissing him she was like his head or her head on her side or whatever they were just being really intimate and i thought to myself that's so weird and strange and then I realized, wait a second, no, you're the weird one for thinking that that's weird because that's actually normal. And when you get that as a child, that your dad loves you, your mom loves you, your family like accepts you, they bring out the best parts of you. They encourage you. They edify you when it's difficult, when it's hard, when it's good. Um, Like that changes everything about an individual. And um, she's a wonderful, like the girl that was with her dad. She's, I know her, she's a wonderful Christian. She believes in Jesus and. Um, she's one of those people that's so perfect, you must think that there's something wrong with them. And then, and then at the end of the day, it's like, no, they just like they were, they grew up in a great house, you know, with love and confidence and encouragement. So I agree, I think that definitely would be helpful. I mean, I, my parents did the best that they could, they were working as immigrants. Um, they really tried to love us. They were young, too. They had they had us very young in their 20s. And so they were learning and there's grace for that as well. And I'm so thankful for them. And they are my like number one supporters now. Um, But yeah, I think things would have been different had I maybe had more attention instead of focusing on money and providence and they would have given to us emotionally. A lot of things could have been different.
0: Amen. And ultimately it's all part of God's plan, of course. And my mom did the best she could too with what she had. I always say I had more love than I knew what to do with, but I didn't have the love of Christ. And that really did ultimately make all the difference. Um yes. and what you were talking about beforehand, how we're, you know, Jesus says you have to pick up your cross and follow me daily, and we have to crucify our flesh. And that is not reserved for homosexuality alone at all. Um, but what I have noticed. Is that homosexuality has absolutely become an idol in this culture, especially? Um, and I think that's that's the real sin more than more than anything. Now, obviously, acting on homosexual behavior is a sin but to just simply have sexual attraction is not a sin so i was hoping that you could talk about that difference a little bit and the idolatry of it all as well a quick break in the episode to ask that if you haven't already please subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you listen or watch give it a five-star rating and written review to help get this into more people's eyes and ears and spread the good news of jesus christ thank you so much
1: Yeah, I think it's easier to point out things about people that you don't struggle with um, versus things that you do struggle with. And so homosexuality has really been a punching bag uh, for prideful Christians. Uh, to say that we are better than you, or we don't struggle in that type of way, and so here's like, okay, I struggle with adultery with my wife, or I struggle with this, or I struggle with that, but I don't struggle with homosexuality. So this is the one thing I know that I can talk about in church, I can make sermons about, and I can ostracize this group of people because it's like something I never have to deal with, and I never will have to deal with, and that's what it kind of comes off in church, and that's why it's been built up to be like this huge monster of just like, oh my gosh, this is the last straw that like. Um, if homosexuality happens, that's it. We're in the end times. It's Sodom and Gomorrah. God is going to like brain down, um, brimstone and fire from heaven, you know, and that's just not the case. Like, first off, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because everything was wicked. And as a result, the entire system and structure was flipped upside down. So men were with men, women were with women, but that's a result of the wickedness. That is not the wickedness or the root of the wickedness. And we have to understand that. And so um, even in our culture, what we're seeing now, men with men, women with women, um, is a result of other things that are happening in our culture um like families not loving each other the orphans not being looked out for the widows not being looked out for you know the church not really sh- uh, stepping up and doing the job that they're supposed to be doing which is discipleship making and, and bringing light and love into this world um and so we just look at the results just like we do most times with our own sin is that we look at the result instead of looking at the root and so if the result um, from wickedness is like the world is turned upside down we're doing things that we're not supposed to be doing or not the way that God intended it to be like a man with a with a woman um we have to look at the root what's behind that root there's like a lack of love there's wickedness here there's wickedness there and um there's selfish nature and we do the same thing with ourselves with our sin nature like let's say for example i into pornography. I'm like, Oh my gosh, pornography is ruining my life. This is not, but then what I don't really realize is that there's, there's a root behind that pornography that I have to go after. Um, And that's what is the result of that root. So there takes no importance for me to try to fix that fruit, um, which is not a fruit, but like a negative fruit. Um, I have to go after the root, cut it off at the root so that it doesn't produce any more of that fruit. And most times what the church has done is just like, they try to go after the fruit instead of the root. And um, they don't realize that after going after the fruit, it's ineffective, you're not doing anything. Um, And so there's, it's become this idolatry of just like, yeah, Christians, they hate homosexuals, or this and that, or they need homosexuals uh, to change. And then it's also that double standard that I talk about all of the time, that it's like in the church structure and believe me, I love the church. One of the reasons why I'm doing all of this is so that we can get better as a church. Because I love the church, I want to see a a clean and pure, a spotless bride, not because I want to tear them down. But um, I'm going to call out the little things that are dirty so that we can work on those things. Because if we don't, then like, how will it ever become clean? And so a lot of people think that's hate, but it's not hate, it's love. It's like, we need to be clean here in these areas. And so what I've noticed is that double standard as well, is like, let's say, for example, there's, um, uh, the idolatry of, of marriage of really just like, and that's not something that Jesus had like a, a, a huge principle for like in Matthew chapter 13, maybe 14 or 16 i forget where i always forget but he talks about the importance where the disciples are talking about divorce and what's the point of getting married if they have to be with one person for the rest of their life and jesus is like well then actually you should be single and i think it's better if you are single than to be married because you can devote more of yourself um and this is a gift from god to the kingdom right and so something like if we really look at what jesus thought was important he's like marriage is beautiful it's a representation symbolic for me in the church but i actually value more people who devote themselves entirely to the kingdom of god and that's um that's not for everybody but it is definitely a gift and for sure probably a gift to many different homosexuals out there in the country that the devil has not perverted to say oh you're not attracted to anyone well you should just do this be pan or be bi or be trans or you know um find attraction elsewhere instead of devoting yourself heartedly like to the Lord. So there's a huge double standard of just like heterosexuals get away with things in the church, which I will call out because I think that's unfair. Um, and like, getting married to a spouse that they know is not supposed to be their spouse, but they just want to have sex and they don't want to be virgins anymore. Um, or whatever it is the case, um, they get treated better. you you get treated better in leadership if you are married versus if you're not married. Um, like even a, a, a woman in ministry is the same kind of double standard too. Like there's problems within that as well. Like, um, it's just there's a lot of garbage in ministry nowadays, and we've really lost the root of what we're all supposed to be doing, which is what Jesus asked us to, which is to love, love Him, and to love each other. How can I love each other? And of course, there's boundaries in love as well, but um, uh, something we definitely, definitely for sure need to explore.
0: Yeah, one hundred percent. I totally agree with that, and I like that this is a part of your mission because there is a lot that is wrong with um much of the church structure. And we were talking a little bit before we started recording. I had mentioned to you that when I first started to get to know Jesus and started to get into the word, this is something, just homosexuality, it's something that took me a minute to really be able to accept what the Bible says about it. Um, And it's something that turned me off about Christianity for so long, because obviously under the guise of new ageism, it was always, you know, tolerance and inclusivity and love is love and all these things. And it was, you know, this idea that, well, with Christianity, it's, it's more oppressive. It's that there's all these rules and all these standards and God will hate you if you're gay, which obviously is not true, but that's, that's what people think. Yes. So could you speak on that a little bit, how that is just not true at all and why?
1: God makes rules for us to follow so that we don't hurt ourselves. Yes. And and that we actually produce a planet in a world that is um beautiful and full of, of of incredible reproductive, like continue to reproduce more beauty and more beauty all the time. When we don't follow that the rules that God has for us and the way that He wants us to live. We stump the world of its growth. Even when it comes to, let's say, for example, homosexual relationships, it's not reproducible. Like when a man and a man they come together, um, that's it. It's the end of their generational line, um, unless, of course, you know they adopt and stuff like that. But then again, it's not their DNA. It's it's it, it stops producing. So if every single person decided that they wanted to be gay. And they wanted to be in a homosexual, lesbian relationship. If we really think about it, that would be the extinction of humankind. And um, because there would be nobody reproducing. Not that the uh the success of of a perfect relationship is reproducing. It just there's guidelines and there's boundaries for things that we don't understand and we don't even know that God does for us that we come to understand maybe later on in life. And there's a reason for all that. A man and a man together is very interesting. It's not that oh God says this is wrong. It's that hey men are built very different um from women. And when you put two men together, it's two of the same. It's two batteries. There is no receiving. It's just leading. It's just giving its dominance all the way through it, through its own. That's why even to me, it was very surprising when I started to get involved with um, homosexual relationships, because they try to uh, do the same thing as heterosexual couples. There's a submissive and there's a dominant. There's the woman and then there's the man. And a lot of people say, no, I'm I'm the man, I'm this. But really, like, if you think about it, it's structured in the same way that a heterosexual couple would be structured in, in many of what they do. Like one one of them usually goes to work um, cooks, cleans, does the house, organizes. Um, and then the other one just like, is more like a man and just doesn't really care. Is more fun, more free, you know, all this stuff. And that's not obviously the case for every situation, but it's, it's a pattern that we can identify within that world and within those relationships. Um, and so all those things, like they even pattern what God has set for good um, within their own, own lives. And the whole point of it is that when you bring two of the two of the same together in a relationship it it's, it's no longer fruitful. It can be very difficult. Like there is a reason why I was like, man, I don't understand why I can't keep a long-term boyfriend for a very long time. Um it doesn't seem to last very long, not even really knowing that like no relationship whether it's homosexual or heterosexual can last for very long without Jesus. Um, there was always the introduction of a third person, like a thruple or a, a relationship where they're just constantly introducing new people into the bedroom, keeping things fun, keeping things alive. Or there was the introduction of drugs, or there was the workaholic or, you know, it was never healthy relationships that I ever saw. Like, I never, never, never saw a healthy relationship in the gay community. And I met a lot of gay people. I met All types of gay people. And so um, I think um, when it comes to lesbians, it's a little bit different as well, but women are more open to receiving from each other instead of dominating, instead of leading. And so I did an entire study on my Instagram about the differences between what makes a, a man a biblical man and what makes a woman a biblical woman, because to me, it was very important to see why these relationships, they weren't working. Because if I, could, if I could see why they're not working, what makes a man a man and what makes a woman a woman, why do they fit so perfectly together, then I can see why God would set th- that the way that he did. Why a man cannot, you know, should not be with, with another man. Um, if, if it doesn't make sense to me logically, then I'd be like, you know, I'm, I am gonna question God and be like, God, well, why can't a man be with a man? but now it makes 100% sense to me that it's like a man has characteristics that go so well with a woman but what what can i do now you know i struggle with same sex attraction i i don't like women i'm not attracted to them to them in that sexual way what do i do if i'm that individual well that's the thing is that you need to go to god you need to ask him what he thinks about your life like to me i know that one day i will probably get married i will have a wife and i will i will have kids i have that desire in me to have a family and to do all that do i have the desire to like have sex with my wife you know maybe not right now but when i meet her i think i'm gonna fall so she's gonna be perfect for me i'm gonna fall so in love that that's gonna not really be an issue with me because when you when you love someone you just want to please them and so love goes beyond just like the attractions of of sexuality and that's something that we never talk about. Even in the Old Testament, we read that. It's so important to read the Old Testament. We read about um, how there were arranged marriages and um, the marriages was was more like, okay, we're going to make a decision. It wasn't more so I'm attracted to you, you're attracted to me, let's get married. And that's what the whole thing is based upon. It's just attraction. That's Hollywood. That was invented in the West, that didn't happen. And it's why it still doesn't happen in the East because they don't have Hollywood over there. But that was something we invented. That's not how the world works. Love is not a feeling, love is a decision. And so now that I know the, the parameters of God's love through his boundaries of what he's like, this is going to be helpful. This is not going to be helpful. I know that you being with a man is not going to be helpful for your life. I don't want you to go through that. You're going to get STDs. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to end up in fights, you know, all this stuff they can't receive from you. You can't reproduce, you know, all these things. Um, now I trust God and I've been able to understand that. But for a long time, it was very difficult because I'm like, do I, do I trust God that he really does know what is best? Um. I don't know. I I didn't know at that time, but um uh, with research and with studying, I've been able to see that, and I want to help other people to see that too because it can't be hard. Like people are like, but well, I don't understand. Like my gay friend, he just wants to find love. Um, well, honey, he's not gonna find it. Like in a bedroom with another man, he's going to find it in the beauty, the beauty of Jesus because that's where we all find it. Um, and And if we preach something else differently, like we preach the idolatry of marriage, which is, oh, don't worry, like you'll be complete when you finally get married, when you have a husband, when you have kids, you know, the heterosexuals, they will bring that thought to homosexuals as well. And that's when they'll be confused. Instead of teaching heterosexuals believers in Christ that the ultimate goal is always Jesus, it's never marriage, it's always Jesus. Then when they go to preach or to spread the evangelism, um evangelize the gospel to them, they're gonna go in with that goal. The goal is Jesus. It always has been. The goal has never been my marriage, it's never been my kids, it's never been the reproduction. It's been the kingdom of God. And um and when you tell people that, gay okay, people are like, oh yeah, that that makes sense. I'm down for that. So
0: yeah. You touched on so many great points. And I just want to say like praise God for giving you eyes to see. Um because you you can just tell that you've totally let go of that identity. Um But that's something that I see a lot of is is, uh, the clinging to identity of sexuality. And you're mentioning how Western culture has done a great job of instilling in our brains, like you need this kind of Hollywood Disney romance in order to find true fulfillment, success and happiness in life. And that's 100% true. And it's like a different can of worms to talk about Hollywood and their agenda for what they want to do to us. But ultimately everything that like the higher ups want to do is eliminate God's design. And so I think I say a lot that there's a big difference between the LGBTQ community and the movement. Um, So it's no disrespect to the community, but the movement itself, the goal is to disrupt God's design. And so the thing is, you know, A lot of people will say, well, there is no right or wrong. You know, love is love. It's all it's all relative sort of thing. But if you go up to a gay person and you say, hey, would it be wrong for me to throw a baby down a flight of stairs? They would say, absolutely. And that's because it's inherently written on their heart to know the difference between right or wrong. They have this sense of morality. And so because we all have this sense of morality, we all have been prescribed the sense of morality. It only makes sense that there is a prescriber of morality. And so who is that? That's God. So we have to look at what God says about is right and wrong. And that's what you were just saying, how God's design. You understand now why he sets things up the way he sets things up. It's not because he hates people that have same sex attraction. It's because he has a design in place because he loves people. He loves us and he wants us to thrive within his design. It's like how you mentioned that love has boundaries and that's what God has given us. And it's not always easy to accept that because we as human beings are inclined to just disobey God because we want to self-serve. We want to feel good. We want to do what is satisfying to the flesh in that moment over and over and over again. And it's not just homosexuals that feel that way. It's people in general. There are things that I struggle with to pick up my cross and follow Jesus daily. Um, But it, that, that is it ultimately is that we have to look at what God says because he is the moral law giver and Aside from that, we have to understand that our identity will never come from our sexuality or anything in in this world that is going to perish and these bodies that are going to perish. It's going to come from the one who stretched out his arms on a cross and died for us.
1: Yeah. So the problem is as well, is that um, with homosexuality, it's all on the outside. It's all visible. Right. And so um, for most Christians, their sin is not visible. They cannot hide it. Um, Well, well, they can hide it. And that's the thing. Um, And so that's why it's an easy target to just pick on the person that's like, I have same sex attraction or I'm gay or I'm this, like they can't hide the fact that they are not attracted to women. Um, I mean, they could, but (laughs) some people do. But most times, you know, some people won't. And um, they become that like that target uh, for Christianity and that's really sad you know I want to see that changed um, and even people in the gay community they don't even realize that there is an agenda like when I was living in self-serving in 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 that lifestyle I just wanted to be loved by somebody right. I didn't know that there is a whole agenda I, I didn't even think that God had a plan or that God had a structure I wasn't aware of any of those types of things um, I'd never really thought too deep into it I remember even having a file on my computer which was, um, the file was called Homosexuality. And I had videos on there of research that I wanted to do one day to figure out whether this was wrong or not wrong. And um, and I just never looked in that file. That file has been sitting on my computer for like five years. And I just kept putting stuff in there, but never reading it. Mm -hmm. And I remember Jackie Hill Perry's video was on there, like one of Jackie Hill Perry's testimony. And it was just scary to me because I was like, if I... If I do listen to this or if I do see this, I'll have a responsibility to react because now I'll have knowledge. And so I wanted to remain outside of knowledge, outside of understanding so that I would never feel bad. But yeah, morality, 100%. Like um, the gay people have morality. I mean, there's there's a new movement coming up where it's like, nothing means anything which is uh, nihilism right and it's like where we get cartoons inspired by brick and morty and like it's like nothing means anything anything anymore so you could you could rape someone you could throw a baby down the stairs and in the whole aspect of the universe nothing nothing means anything And so, um, so that is definitely, I think what's coming for our culture and our society, um, where we will let go of morality and we'll say, yeah, you know, you want to be a pedophile, be a pedophile, or, you know, do this or rape this or do nothing matters because we're all just floating on a rock somewhere in the middle of space. And we've all just created a morality system for ourselves. That's based on a book that was written and over many years. And just to control people from the government and the agencies. Um, I think we're going in that direction, but, um, like how you said, even Romans chapter one talks about this, that, um, the laws of God are written inherently on our heart. And we know what is the difference between right and wrong. So we'll never be able to get rid of that, no matter how much indoctrination that comes from society and from the world um, that is written upon our hearts. And so we know what is to be right. And creation speaks about the glory of, of the Lord. We cannot, we cannot get rid of God unless we get rid of creation. So mm-hmm. he's all around us all the time speaking about himself and um, I think uh, hopefully more more gay people through through ministries through stories like me through the church really stepping up loving them, um, telling them hey, um, this is what we're here living for, which is for for Jesus for His kingdom, and get our act together. Like more people would come to to know God and and to you know give up their lifestyles and say this is worth something. Like I I want to live for this.
0: Yeah. And what you said earlier, how when you were a part of that community, um, you just wanted love. You know, it, it's evident that that's what that's what homosexuals are seeking because the the whole month of June is, is entirely for for pride, if you will, and and the rallies and the parades and just social media as a whole. It's all accept me, accept me, accept me, love me, love me, love me, or else you're this, or else you're that. Um, but that's that's the crux of the message, right? Is accept me, love me. And the way I perceive it, and I would like you to tell me if I'm incorrect or correct with this is that they, what they're looking for is the acceptance and the love of God of Jesus. But they think that if the world accepts them, that will satisfy them.
1: Yeah, 100%. I mean, even just hearing stories about people that have undergone, um, transgender surgery, right. And, um, have gotten, you know, their parts removed and, and made themselves into an entirely different gender, um, to themselves. I think the stories speak for themselves after 50, 60 years, they end up becoming very depressed, very suicidal. And, um, heard so many different stories of people that have literally gotten surgery, and, um, and then they're just they realized that it wasn't all cr- cracked up to be what they thought they thought that, hey, if I rock, walk around like a woman, or if I ex- uh, expose myself in this way, even like, for example, me coming out of the closet, um, that I'm going to be happy that um, when I'm finally living my truth, and people see me for who I really am, that I'm going to be loved and all this stuff. But then I realized, I just became more and more sad, more and more depressed, more and more suicidal, because I kept putting my value on people and the way that they thought instead of um, what the creator of the world thinks about me. And, um, and that's what we really have to go forward. Um, it's not even what we think about ourselves because we can do a whole bunch of meditation and self-love and all that stuff, which I'm sure you're familiar with. Um, we can't love ourselves the way the creator needs to love us. Like we're built with this inherent, like empty hole inside of us that says we need the creator's love. We were, we were meant to be in communion with him and, um, we have to continue to run after that. So, um, the, sto- the stories, the testimonies that speak for themselves, like I have an incredible organization that I'm a part of. Um, sometimes uh, they do events that are called Freedom March. There's people, transgenders, gay, lesbians, you know, that have all come out of the lifestyle and said, I I thought this was what, what was going to make me happy. That's what the world told me what was going to make me happy. And when everyone finally finally accepted me, I realized I wasn't happy with myself and I I couldn't be happy with me. And they end up turning to God because it's the only love that they're seeking for. And that is truly unconditional and non-wavering and faithful to the end.
0: Mm, amen to that. Another quick break in this episode to remind you that you can donate to the Heaven and Healing Podcast Ministry at donorbox.org slash heaven healing podcast ministry. I will leave that in the show notes. And if that doesn't work, you can always directly Venmo me if you do feel called to do so. My Venmo is at angela marie yuchi, which is the spelling of my Instagram and I will leave that in the show notes as well. 100% of the donations go straight into the time, energy and maintenance of Heaven and Healing Podcast and every donation is greatly appreciated. If you can't donate, all I ask is that you say a prayer. Thank you so much. So, as I became Christian, Obviously, I'm sure you face this, too. Um, And actually, I'm curious about that. Any backlash you received when you did kind of or this still continue to receive, I'm sure. But when I first became Christian, uh, a lot of people coming from the New Age backdrop, again, of love, light, all inclusivity, people start saying to me, well, now you're judgmental. Now you're bigoted. Now you hate people. I've been told, like, now you hate gay people. And it's not that. It's never that. Um, And while yes, there are some Christians that like you have talked about throughout this episode, act very haughty about it and do have um, condemnation for that. It's not about that for a majority of, you know, for the Christians that really have Christ in their hearts. That's not what it is. It's not that you hate people. It's that you, you love God and you love his design and you love these people so much that you want them to know that too. And, and with that, I think it's really easy for a lot of homosexual people that are inclined to that lifestyle to think that, well, yeah, God does hate me. uh, So I'm just not even going to have any parts of that. I'm not curious about it. I don't, I don't care what the Bible says. I don't believe it in any way because, well, I'm just going to hell anyway. And that's, someone actually said that to me, you know, like, uh, responded to something I said months ago and said, "And please don't bother praying for me because I'm just going to hell anyway uh, because your God hates me." And it's not that, but I I can see why people would think that based on the way Christians act. But that's kind of a moot point. The thing is, though, the Bible never says that God hates gay people. It's it it condemns unrepented sin, which would be you know living in homosexual behavior, which is different from homosexual orientation, and it's not just homose- homosexual behavior, though, that the Bible is explicit about. It's it's all sorts of sin. It's drunkenness. Yeah. It's lust. It's idolatry. It's divination. All the stuff that I was a part of. It's all these different things. It's not just this one thing, but it's all it's all lumped together because it's it's not the inclination itself that's the issue. It's the action. That's Mm -hmm. the issue.
1: I think it's really interesting as well. Um, When I finally understood the wrath of God and uh, the topic of the wrath of God was very difficult for me to understand, like, Mm -hmm. why does God hate sin and all this stuff? Yeah. And I was on my logos program, which I love using that program. And um, it was from an anchor Yale dictionary or something like that. And basically it was talking about um, one of the reasons why God has wrath is because he loves his creation so much and keep going. You sure? Yeah.
0: The recording? uh, Yeah, you can keep going. My um I think my camera died. I don't know why, but that's I can like
1: take a break so that it doesn't mess up with the recording.
0: It's all right. I'll just record on the rest of the year. It's fine.
1: Okay. Um so what it was saying about the wrath of God was that God loves his creation so much that he doesn't want to see his creation be destroyed. And so when we do things like sin, we destroy ourselves. And he's like, what the heck? Like, you are my bride. I'm not going to let you destroy yourself. Like, you are destroying uh, what I created. And I have so much love and admiration for this. I won't allow it. Um, I won't see, see that come to fruition. And so the wrath of God is God putting down his foot in love to say, no, like, I refuse um, for you guys to to destroy yourselves through this act, uh, through the acts of sin, okay. and and I was really able to see God's love in a whole different way when I discovered that. Because I thought, I was like, why would I want to serve a God that's just angry? I didn't see him as love. But then when I realized, wait a second, his anger is inspired by love because he loves me so much. He doesn't want me to hurt myself. Mm-hmm. And so he's going to put up boundaries for me not to hurt myself. And then, of course, he's still a total gentleman. He gives that free will. He gives people the ability to choose for themselves and, and all that. And so um, it is very complicated to understand that. But through years of of research, meditation, studying, um, I've been able to come to an understanding that way to say he just he just really loves me. And, um, and I, I have to accept that for myself. So
0: yeah, 100%. Now, has that been a challenge for you kind of being in the space where I'm sure you get a lot of backlash from the LGBTQ community. And then you also I'm sure get backlash from Christians. Is that true?
1: Yeah, I get more backlash, I would say, from um from believers than I do unbelievers, which is funny because most unbelievers, they're just be like, oh, you're just confused, sweetie. Like, don't worry, we'll see you around in the gay bar like in 20 years from now, you know, mm. and that's as much hate as I get. I mean, maybe every now and then I'll get another hate comment that's just like, you're the reason why people are killing themselves. And I'm like, I don't I don't know why I would be the reason when I'm telling people that I love them and I care about them. And that my life has improved, <laughs> so I believe their life will improve. They're listening and open, um. But unbelievers, I think, is the hardest one, um, because it's like shady, you know, it's like um shady comments online of just like a, a sense of self worth that they are more righteous than me, because they don't struggle with the things that I struggle with, and um, and they just elevate them. They're like one of the things I hate the most. Is um when someone will send me a YouTube clip of their pastor or a teaching and say, Oh, this will really help you to understand some things. You know, it's kind of shady things like that, that it's like, oh. Okay. Okay, like did you have something that you wanted to tell me that you think I'm not understanding? And if so, just let me know. I will be open to receiving instead of like throwing a shady comment like that. Um, but it's this idea that they really do think that they're better than you and um have an understanding of God better than you, and then it's so funny because um I've actually been able to bring a ton more people into the kingdom and save so much of those people that just keep sending me those videos or doing this or questioning my motives or questioning my ministry. I've been able to do more for the kingdom them than they probably would be able to do in their whole lifetimes and that's not out of pride that's out of the fact that God always uses the weak God mm-hmm. always uses the humble God always uses the ones that are willing to put themselves out there and say I'm nothing you know I just I just have a relationship with God I don't think of myself more grand grandeur than anybody else or better or special um God loves humility um and I have a lot of humility <laughs> I'm like hey you yeah. know like I I really can't do anything without God and everything that I've accomplished so far has been, him, like just putting me on a platform for whatever reason that he thought it was good to do that, even I wouldn't trust myself in that process, but he certainly did trust me, and I've been able to through that love experience incredible things and so um, I think I get so much hate from believers, and even when I step foot in churches and stuff it's it's always like I know better than you or this is't that um it's really sad and I, I really don't want anyone to get treated that way. Like I'm a tough cookie. I can walk in there. I can put on a nice face. I can smile and I can say, thank you. You know, God bless. Um, But other people, that's what going to lead them to walk away from Christianity because they're not as secure or mature in their relationship with Jesus to know that their identity comes from Jesus. So when I go to those places and people say nasty things about me behind my back, which I hear later on, Um, things like he has a gay demon or he would be more successful in ministry if he was, if if he was married or this is not, um, I've heard it all. Um, I just smile and, you know, get on with my day because my identity is in Christ, but other people, that's not the case. They're not so strong in their identity yet. And they need people to build them up. And the church that's supposed to be building them up is tearing them down. And so, um, I get very angry when it comes to that. And only because I'm like, man, we're hurting people. We're really, really, really hurting people. And I don't want to see people hurt anymore. And half of the things that people have done to me, it's so sad. I would never want anyone to go through that. Um, And and I'm sad for myself too, that I had to go through that as well. Like that sucks, (laughs) but thank God for Jesus and his his love and, and him asking us to forgive people because I've had to do a lot of forgiveness.
0: Yeah. Amen. Praise God for how he's using you. I think uh, that's definitely an issue. And um, the more mature that I, come in my walk with christ the more that i see that too i see how people get so turned off by christianity it's not because of jesus it's because of christians and it is a problem and it it just baffles me this uh the self-righteousness coming from people that are claiming that they believe in an all-righteous god it just doesn't make sense and i think that it is a serious problem and that's why i'm really happy that people like you and I are using these platforms to really kind of change that paradigm Um, because ultimately we're, we're to show people the love of God. And for someone to say to you that you have a gay demon, that's just the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. I mean, The reason that the Bible even talks about homosexuality and tells us to stay away from it is the same reason that the Bible says, you know, cast your anxieties on the God for he cares for you. It's because, you know, it wouldn't say that if there weren't anxieties to be cast onto God the same way that it wouldn't mention homosexuality in the Bible if God didn't know people would struggle with it. So that's just that's just that's just crazy to me that people have actually said that to you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I really like the part of as well in the gospel where it says that um, Jesus was tempted in every single way known Mm -hmm. to man. I think that's actually um, in Romans, maybe. And um, and that means he he also could have been tempted with following his lusts or or whatever or outside lusts. I wouldn't say his lusts. He didn't have any sin inside of him, but um, he was tempted with everything imaginable. And um, and so I have a God that can relate to me relate to the things that I've been through. He can relate to rejection. He can relate to loneliness. He can really reject, uh, well, he can relate to being single. He was never married. So we are his bride. He's married to us. And um, and that's what I love about following Jesus that it's not this like white Jesus of this Christian traditionalism that has lasted in, in you know, 2000 years. It's a very personal relationship with me and Jesus, uh, the man who experienced everything that I've experienced more so And uh, been able to connect with him in times where people have not been able, where I have not been able to connect with people. And so uh, I hope that other people can really find that um, deep, deep connection. They don't have to go to church for that. They don't have to seek somebody else out, a priest or anyone else. Um, All they have to do is just call on God the same way that I called on God in my room and say, Hey, God, I'm open. I'm at my wits' end. I'm really empty and I need you and I need you to show up for me and i'm willing to dig deeper into your word and to look for you um, and help me you know and i i believe god will respond uh to people's pure beautiful requests like that and and if and if he doesn't we are his hands and feet you know and so i have resources on my website i have a discord i have like podcasts and youtubes and you know so much things that i have that i'm helping other people who struggle with this area because if if god doesn't respond to them like he responded to me in a crazy miracle, miraculous way which I believe he will, but if he doesn't, I am the hands and feet. And so I can help people, encourage them the way that God has encouraged me, helped me, done miraculous things for me.
0: What would you say to people that um, maybe do struggle with this and they want to love God or they do love God or, you know, whatever the case is. And they, they would say that they can love Jesus and they can have a relationship with Jesus and God, like you're talking about, but they can still... Follow through with their homosexual lifestyle. What would you say to those people?
1: Well, at first off, I would say I don't know what gospel they're reading, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, the gospel is clear for everyone, not just homosexuals. Um, it's the same message for everyone. It's leave your brother, your brother, your sister, your father behind. Take up your cry, um, your cross, and so um, it's no longer like, hey, I want to follow God, I can do whatever I want. That's not what Jesus came to preach. So if you really do believe the teachings of Jesus, you have to go back in and like read the teachings of Jesus. Now, if you don't believe the teachings of Jesus, you believe that the Bible has been messed with. And that's a whole nother problem um, that the Holy Spirit needs to convict you of. If you have the Holy Spirit, if you've been asking the Holy Spirit, and um, the Holy Spirit only ever has one message. And so um, I think to me, it's that's core central, like, I can follow God and still do whatever I want. That wasn't the message that Jesus preached. And so if that's a mentality that someone has, I think the gospel has gone way over their heads. Um, They didn't understand the very simple message that he had. It was like, hey, the same way that I have died for you guys is the same way that you guys are going to die for me, whether it's spiritual, whether it's um or physical, even some people are called to physically die uh, for the kingdom of God. And so um. I, I I would say, continue, continue to discover. If you really do have that relationship with God, I believe that he will bring you to that discovering process. Um, but that to me sounds, sounds like you are your own God. Mm-hmm. And, and so I would say, are you your own God? Because if God just believes what you want him to believe, then you are your own God. And I don't, I don't believe in a God that believes what he wants, what what I believe. I believe in a God that is very different from what I believe and what I think is right. And I'm very proud and happy about that because that means that I am not my own God. I serve something that's outside of me. And so that's a response that I would give to people.
0: That's really good. And then how do you think um, because you're talking a lot about kind of like the issues within the church and the discipleship that's missing? So what do you think the solution would be in the church? And what discipleship would you like to see? more of as opposed to what is out there for homosexuals
1: oh man i think the church in general needs a reform to happen i think there are local church bodies that are doing incredible and god bless them you know um and then there's you know big mega churches and stuff that kind of lost their way become corporation businesses you know it's a reality um but i would like to see people just become pillars of light and love and and just effectively disciple people the same way that jesus discipled people in the book of acts which was uh to just live with people like jesus lived with the disciples for three years they saw him do everything i'm sure they saw him even poop (laughs) you know and so nothing was private and uh, that's the way that we need to be with each other that's how we disciple people is by teaching them what god is doing in our lives what he has done in our lives our testimony and doing that in intimate relationship and pouring out mercy and patience when you really start to disciple i've discipled um many people and um and it's hard it's very difficult there's a reason why people don't want to do it being in relationship to people is hard because they will offend you and you will have to forgive them and there's anxieties that come with that and stress of uh, what does this person think about me nobody wants to go do that everybody just wants to live their life however they want to live um not care about the wonders and and the the thoughts of other people Um, but we have to, we have to. And so I think there's a reform that's coming. There's an underground church system that is blowing up the East right now. Um, with the revelation of the Messiah, unbelievers are leading other unbelievers to Jesus. If people haven't yet watched an incredible documentary by the name of sheep among wolves on YouTube, volume two, it's awesome of how uh, there's a movement in, um, in Iran, Afghanistan, and all these places where persecution is very much real, people are losing their heads to follow Jesus, mm-hmm. and yet they're still discipling. That's awesome. Um, we need to learn something about why and how they're doing that. So um, uh, ministries like Global Catalytic Ministries, which uh, are the ones who are involved in, in the Middle East, are very helpful when it comes to reforming education, what discipleship looks like, how you can effectively lead a lifestyle of leadership and um and teach other people about jesus and not wait on your pastor to do it or your church building to do it you are the discipler and you have the power and the authority by jesus to go out there and to disciple people and to plant churches around the world in your local communities or wherever god calls you to go um but for me i do most of the majority of my things online i have a discord and i disciple people on there and by discipling i literally just mean i teach people teach people about the life of jesus on what I have learned in seminary, going to or Roberts University and studying biblical literature. Um, it's my joy to do these types of things. And luckily I'm taken care of and I'm and I have donations from people who enjoy my teachings and want to want to continue to help me to sustain what I love and this passion that I have for the biblical word.
0: That's incredible. So as we start to wrap up here, so I do have um I had some people that wanted to know if they have someone that's gay in their lives, how, and they're not a believer, of course, like how is the best way for them as a Christian to handle that situation?
1: To love on them. I think it's as simple as that. It's just show them once again, like figure out what their love language is. I think it's practical for figure out that their love language, whether it's gift quality times and really, really love on them, be there for them um, and pray for them fast for them. That's uh, what you want. Uh, A lot of prayer, a lot of fasting and effective love through actions. And one day they will ask you why you love them so well. And then you can tell them about Jesus.
0: Mm, That's really good. That's awesome. Is there anything else that you wanted to mention? I feel like we should touch on.
1: Uh, no, this has been so great. I'm yeah. really happy. And, and I think you're doing incredible work. And <laughs> thank you, mm, thank you for giving me a platform to be able to speak about.
0: Yes. Thank you for doing Thanks. this. Um, so you mentioned your discord a few times, where can people find you? What, what do you, what do you offer?
1: So if people can go to samuelabrahamperez.com. that's my full name, Samuel Abraham Perez. And, um, I have a discord community. It's like an online church communities, like lots of chat rooms, basically calls, videos, you know, all that stuff. And we are trying to disciple people through there. Um, so if you don't have a church, you don't feel comfortable going to an in-person church or traditional church, you can go there and get connected to, to me. I'm a pastor. There's other pastors there and leaders there who will be there for you and, um, help you get started on your journey with Jesus. And I help you become a discipler. Um, And then, of course, you know, I have things, teachings that I do online, podcasts, testimonies, um, YouTube videos. I make funny, very entertaining TikToks every single week and um, trying to get involved more in social media. And so people can show support. If they can't show support financially, which you can give through my website, then show support through social media, like my stuff, share my stuff um you know, comment do what you can like put the little notification bell um all those things help my ministry to grow so that this message reaches more and more lgbtq people and also unbel- uh, believers in church who don't have an understanding on how to help people in that community
0: mm. well thank you so much for doing this samuel this is awesome would you do thank us you. the honor of closing out in prayer for the audience
1: Yes, of course. God, thank you so much for this wonderful day, Lord Jesus. Uh, thank you for the way that you've used me and speaking here. Um, it's all for your glory, Lord. Uh, I'm not very smart or I have so much wisdom, but you do, Holy Spirit. And so I thank you, Holy Spirit, um, for what you're doing in people's lives, even the people who are listening and watching and how the, how you're transforming them. And um, I pray that you would bring all the listeners uh, to an understanding of the deeper things in you and that you would just bless this podcast, bless this podcast episode that would reach every person that needs to hear it. And um, and for those who are out there struggling, that you would um, listen to their, uh, their prayers and their callings and that you would do a miraculous miracle for them as you did for me. And that they would become effective disciple, um, disciples uh, maker, and um, and leaders in their communities and wherever else you may call them. In Jesus' name, we
0: pray. Amen. Amen. That's great.